All right, guys, the comedy of errors that is 2018 continues where for the first time in about 50 episodes after recording episode last Sunday, we lost the recording due to a hard drive problem on my part uh, and Thurbleton um, didn't hit record, which is totally fair because I didn't ask him to. Um, that means we, yeah, we had like a little thing in the, in the cooker That's, uh, that will never be heard. Will never be heard. It wasn't that great. Anyway, <laughs> just, you know, it was an hour long and it was just me and Thurbs kind of rapping. Um, but it, you know what? I, I hate any form of wasted effort. And um, that, that was, I was like, not livid, but I was really fucking annoyed when I looked at my drive and I was like, where's, where's the file? Where, where's, what do you mean it's corrupted? What do you mean the fucking file is corrupted? What? Do you, what? Um, and so a, a couple of minutes of swearing later and then messaging Thurbleton on Steam and then the next day him telling me, oh no, he, he didn't record, he didn't realize he had to record, which is totally fair. Um, I was like, you know what, fuck it, fuck it, fuck, fuck it. And then a couple days later, I remembered that I promised I would at least make something, which means, fuck it, it's the Scotchcast, which means, of course, I'm recording a cynical supplement this week. Um, so here I am paying my dues. <laughs> And thankfully, uh, now that I've looked at the news, uh, a lot of stuff has come out since we recorded our uh, now long dead uh, Scotchcast episode last week. So for this episode of the Cynical Supplement, um, you'll be hearing me rapping about news, and I will finally talk a little bit about Monster Hunter and Shadow of the Colossus. And I did it during our little um our deceased episode but you know what i can do it again i didn't go too deep into it that, that time i don't have too much time here i have like two hours uh before, the, before i have to jet out and then because i have to edit this thing as well and and then put it up but uh we'll see what i can do there's not that much news nowhere near as much as the last cynical supplement um i do have a bunch of cool things to talk about though um and and one i had i'd missed last time and i'm happy i picked up so let's go from the furthest back in time. So March 15th, 2018 is the oldest piece of news I've got here, I think. Yep. Um, this one's additional. This is one I, I missed um, from our previous recording. And after that statement, I will stop talking about our previous recording and start rolling from here. So we've got... My their E3 press conference is, has been dated, and they've changed their E3 presence, or the intent of the E3 presence um, for the first time in many years. Um, so they're saying they're going to have the biggest E3 showing ever, which is okay, or whatever. Like they, I, I am almost certain they say that every fucking year. They said they, every year is the biggest E3 showcase ever. And I'm sorry, Microsoft, it doesn't count if... Almost everything you show is a fucking multi-platform game. Um, I, I have the same issue with Nintendo and Sony. Uh, Nintendo to a lesser extent because at least the Switch is a unique platform. So something like Dark Souls coming to the Switch actually means something tangible. Um, in this case, it's I, I swear, like 
what do you mean by the biggest E3 show ever? Like, are you actually going to show us new stuff, new IPs? Like, if they do do new IPs, or they do, like, um, resurrections of franchises like Fable or whatever, that that could be really, really awesome. Um, especially since everything they make is coming to PC now, which means everyone who's watching can pretty much play every game they announce, which is amazing. Um, so it could be a fantastic showing, but for some reason, I just am so jaded about Microsoft right now. Um, their investment in first-party slash exclusive titles is so lacking they said they'd fix that but fuck man like i how in what way are they going to fix it? are they just going to become like ea and just have a lot of like uh studios churning through passionless projects or are they actually going to like go back to maybe uh what was it mid 2000s ea with dead space much other things where they actually actually try out some new things and invest in some new ips and put some life back into their library um hopefully they do like i really do um aside from a fable remake which is like kind of the only thing they can do that I, that would be a remake that i'd be excited for uh i really hope for some interesting new ips some interesting new western ips i've, I've as much as i love japanese games and japanese developers uh the microsoft track record for supporting japanese game development on their platforms i'm thinking of um what that recore and the cancelled uh dragon game i forgot its name from platinum games um there was a couple others 999s i think was them i don't know maybe that was ps playstation but um <clears throat> they've all been pretty shit uh i can't think of any that's been that's been exclusive and fantastic. The obvious example of me being entirely wrong on that point for a different reason is Tales of Vesperia, which was exclusive to Xbox and probably the best Tales game ever made. Um, but that one was... They eventually came to other platforms, and I don't think Microsoft actually like paid for the development of it. I think they just paid for exclusive rights. Um, and that is a very different thing. If this conference is the biggest ever, and... Um, it is them having money had it about a bunch of developers to make things exclusive to Xbox and PC. That's kind of bullshit in the same way to some extent that Sony um, bankrolling Street Fighter V was bullshit. In the Street Fighter V case, it's a bit more murky because they that would have they apparently paid for development of that game rather than just money hadding its release. Um, but the, the Xbox is is famous now for money hadding releases um, this generation. And I'm specifically think of Tomb Raider because that was just... Uh, poor, poor decision on everyone's part on that. Microsoft didn't have enough user base um, that actually cared about Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider didn't have enough marketing um, or whatever. Their joint marketing efforts weren't powerful enough. And in the end, what happened was no one fucking bought that game. Um, I'm talking about Tomb Raider 2, Rise of the Tomb Raider, what it's called, uh, until uh, that, that, that one just vastly underperformed across the board. Um, and it was their own damn fault. Their own damn fault. Don't money hat games. Um, Sony even though they've displayed things as uh the first time on their platform and what i mean by that like they debuted things at the e3 press conference uh such as final fantasy 7 remake they haven't been money hiding much stuff thinking back here like are yakuza games just on playstation i don't know maybe um yeah I, the japanese stuff is always weird because uh in that case, I feel like Sony's paying them to even consider bringing games to the West rather than uh, money hiding them in their plans to already bring something to the rest. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. 
both companies well no one likes money hats and microsoft has a recent track record of it i'm not impressed that said though uh the other half they're changing is they're getting off the e3 show floor sorry in news that only matters to the fucking 12 people out there who go to e3 um whatever 50,000 but in, in a in a gaming market this big that's nothing um in the very few people who actually go to e3 uh what they're doing is a public event on the side um so that's that's cool like if, if you're in the u.s and have the opportunity to go down there or take that time off and go down and pay probably some fee um if i was guessing or at least pay for accommodation and travel um to go to this microsoft thing they have a, a open public event um, like EA did last year uh, during E3, as opposed to having a large show floor presence, which I think is a good idea. Um, everyone complains about the show floor anyway. Uh, this allows them to go even bigger and get public people involved. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't really care about the journalist experience at E3 because all previews from E3 suck. Um, I can't remember a time where a preview from e3 pivotally changed my opinion of a game um in almost all cases like that's just one uh, blip on the long haul pr marketing graph for um for get for games etc and that's Except for like the the handful of times where a journalist has discovered something, and that's usually not in a big publisher like EA or or Microsoft's uh, wheelhouse. It's usually like some smaller thing that they find. Uh, in every other case, fucking whatever. I don't care what you guys do to E three show presence as long as you don't pull out of E three, which they're not doing. So that's good. Um, and with that though, that's Microsoft. Uh, next piece of news. This is a really fun one. Um, I don't know why the last one kind of turned semi-negative. I actually like Microsoft, whatever. Well, aside from the money hot shit. Um, this one is actually great and a really cool news I hadn't heard of before. Um, Stardew Valley's publisher um, has a new Harry Potter-like RPG in development called Witchbook. Witchbrook, sorry, Witchbrook. Um, it looks like Stardew Valley, but in a Harry Potter universe, and that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> That's... <laughs> that's all I need to say. It's like a Zelda kind of art style. Uh, but like, I, I'm looking at a picture here and it's got this this like wizard at the front of the room with a big cauldron and he's teaching a bunch of students with their little cauldrons. And that is um, kind of amazing. I, I, It's one of those things where I don't, I have no idea um, how long lasting Harry Potter love will be. But at least for this generation of people, so perhaps you at home, but definitely me and people my age and younger, um, Harry Potter is like this deep cultural touchstone, like in the order of a Star Wars, uh, potentially maybe as large, but probably because of the quality of those movies, not quite as large. Um, but the books just changed so many people's outlook on, well, books in general, um, inspired so many people to write and all that kind of stuff. Like the... the that universe is one of the few things that you can just like bring out anytime. Um, like a lot up there with ET phone home or, um, say so use the force Luke or, uh, I will be back. You have your Harry Potter references. Like you're a Harry, you're a wizard Harry or like that kind of stuff. Like it's up there in, in terms of t just cultural importance. And, um, 
the idea of a wizarding school, even though it is derivative, is uh, may perhaps underexploited. It is a really cool idea. Like I, I love um, recent stuff like superhero schools, like you know the the super powered book series or um, My Hero Academia uh, or whatever it's called um, anime series. Like I love the whole school concept. Um, it just is a cool little like self-contained environment that lets you have really wacky characters and a really cool like um, classic, a little bit of strange amongst a lot of things um, familiar um, story layout, which is a schooling environment, but they, they teach you use magic or whatever. It's pretty fucking awesome. Um, and the Stardew Valley guys, if they get, I don't know if they're getting the same actual devs on this. I thought it was the same developer, but it turns out it's the publisher that's getting out this game. Um, Chucklefish is the publisher <clears throat> i'm not sure if it's actual same crew developing it i hope it is because that writing behind a harry potter-esque game could be amazing so that's rich sorry which brook um and no release date yet no release date yet next up um shadow of the tomb raider has been announced um it has a teaser, teaser trailer out i am not a tomb raider guy but i just want to say this out loud because it's a pretty cool thing it's been announced for multi-platform so they've uh, going back to our previous thing, they have learned from their mistakes. It's coming out September 14 on PS4, Xbox One, and PC simultaneously. Everything is um, learnable from previous releases. The PC version will be the best, and Xbox One X version will be the ones at a close second, depending on what kind of graphics card you have. Um, that's really cool. Good, good for them. Um, if you're into Tomb Raider, I hope you're happy. Uh, this... Trailer just seems like a Tomb Raider game to me, but get it and sorry if you look at it and like it, let me know. I'm not sure if it froze back there. I think my audition had a stutter. Don't know. We'll find out. Next up, um, in kind of less fun news, Star Wars Battlefront Two uh, restores microtransactions and changes progression. Um, I read through this. I rolled my eyes and then I thought about not talking about it, but I just want to say it out loud. Essentially, they put in a standard level up um, progression system, which, surprise, surprise, is kind of what people, well, what they should have had in from the fucking start, really. Like, it's not, I mean, there has to be, it is true that there has to be some other kind of progression system that is effective um, aside from leveling up. But the fact that leveling up is um, has just continued to be the core uh, form of progression in everything, except for maybe Monster Hunter. Um, maybe that's an example of it, but that's a gear-based system. You can't really have a shooter be a gear-based system. Um, people just complain, and for probably good reasons, especially when it comes to competitive advantage. Um, it's like, I don't know what else you can do with regarding... Um, progression but yeah they did change it back to a level up system and the microtransactions are single transactions and this is far close to what it should have been and probably too late moving on um here he's, he gets to stuff that we didn't talk about before and i'm pretty interested to hear um what the hell this is about i say that because i haven't read the fucking <laughs> the fucking um news topic yet yeah don't, don't look at me that way i came prepared uh what what? Um, all right, so we got Cyberpunk 27.7 will be bolstered by a new CD Projekt Studio. Um, the... Hmm. 
I don't know how to feel about this. Let's see, the new studio is 18 members strong. Uh, Strange New Things, a studio made up Dialing Light, Hitman, and Call of, Call of Juarez vet, veterans uh, will come the core of the Warclaw studio. Warclaw, or Rocklaw. W-R-O-C-O-A-W. Nine. It joins similar studios Warsaw and Krakow. Or Krakow. Anyway, essentially they've started up a new small studio to help out with um, with Cyberpunk 2077. I wonder what they'll be doing. Let's have a look. Uh, we put gamers' creative freedom and quality games above my making business. These guys not only share this approach, but much like the rest of the team, think that this attitude is essential to creating epic video games. That is a such a meaningless statement. Game developers like making games. Got it. What are they going to do? This is a lot of latest sign of the CD Projekt preparing for Cyberpunk 24. It's big debut. No shit. And this this GameSpot article I, I have don't, doesn't really say what they're doing. They're just helping with the new game. Um, and they're in a different part of the world, I suspect. Poland. All right, there you go. So they, they've... Um, so you have CD Projekt Red in Poland. A new studio in Israel, Poland. So it's not even, they're not even branching out. Are they? God, I feel like so under-informed for this one. I'm actually not that familiar with how CD Projekt works. I'm going to Google CD Projekt. Let's see if you can you can learn along with me. Um, we've got... They are Polish. That's They're in Warsaw, which is... Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And are there... Yeah, okay, so they're just starting another studio in Poland to help them out with 27.7. That, I guess that's only really like a big piece of interest because it means they're stepping up work for 27.7. Which is great because we're all looking forward to it. I um, hope it is still an RPG. That's my only real uh, hot take on this. Is I don't particularly need CD Projekt Red to be making shooters. Uh, the fact that the opening trailer we saw for it is has a lot of guns in it, etc., um, makes me wonder. But then again, like there's nothing wrong with a Mass Effect style RPG, which is both shooter and RPG. That would be fucking amazing. Um, I'm totally up for a cyberpunk Mass Effect uh, or something similar. Um, I don't, I suspect it's going to be more of a, looking at the trailer, I think I got from a vibe that would be more like a Witcher with a single main character, um, male or female. I don't know which one is the main character. I suspect it's a girl. Um, a single main character that kind of like goes through the story on their own um, with like just side characters that show up and now and then. I don't know. I just get, I just get that feeling from the thing because it just really does focus on her and her backstory. Uh, at least that's how I interpret that first trailer. I don't... If they go... I would actually prefer a a um, cast of characters like a Mass Effect, but I have no issues with them continuing with the Witcher formula because they clearly do well at it. Um just transposing it to that different universe could be all it really needs. Um, and with an interesting new plot, etc. The plot of The Witcher might be its weakest component. Um, it did have great side quests, but that core plot, I don't know, it had problems. Um, it wasn't bad, it just wasn't great. All right, moving on. I'm just excited. I'm just excited about 2077. There's nothing else to say about that. Moving on, we've got Nintendo Switch now has the best-selling console ever in its first year in the United States. Um, that is really cool. It outsold the Wii in its first year. I bet most of that is to do with production. Uh, I still feel like the Wii had more hotness behind it, uh, but it seems like they actually figured out their production shit with the uh, Switch. 
and sold 14.86 million units, already eclipsing the Wii U. Um, that is great. Good for them. Uh, good for them. I, I am hoping for more full-size games on the system. And so far, their announcements have been pretty good in that account. I really just, really, really just want another Phoenix Wright game. <laughs> and that Fire Emblem game to finally come out. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles might have been what I was looking for, but I hated that art style and that voice acting, so not, no thank you. But um, good on them. Uh, another sales piece of news about from uh, Nintendo, whatever. Yakuza Kiwami 2. I will say again, Yakuza Kiwami 2, aka Yakuza 2, is coming to the PS4 in the West in August. Um, that is awesome and probably my favorite piece of news this fortnight um fucking yeah i i finally downloaded yakuza kiwami to my heart my hard drive on my ps4 i haven't booted it up yet um i after zero i didn't feel the desire to jump right back in but now that two's coming out i've oh man i need to play one and then i can jump into two next year and that'll be really cool um these games are fucking awesome I kind of want a massive back tattoo. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, this, is, this is great news. Hopefully they just keep rolling. Like I just keep putting things in the new engine, keep bringing them forward. Uh, the major issue here is, of course, that the PS5 is probably not too far around the corner. Like we're maybe 2019, 2020 for PS5, if I was to guess. And I would hate for... Let's be clear. I don't think the PS5 is going to be backwards compatible. Uh, it makes sense for it to be, and the both like the whole x86 thing, etc., um, makes it feel like they're just being assholes that they don't give it a fucking good try to get backwards compatibility working. But I don't think they'll do it. Um, I just don't. I just don't feel like they they have, get too much money from reselling old games to, uh, and so few people use backwards compatibility by sony's own metrics um that they've announced a couple times in the past um that i just don't feel like ps4 will be backwards compatible so ps5 will be best backwards compatible so like i love this yakuza role that they're going on with like re-releasing all these old uh games in the new engine that's fucking awesome um yakuza kawambi 2 totally gonna play it uh probably in 2019 personally because i need to, i need to jump on one um and that's gonna be my yakuza for the the year probably but if they keep rolling this way say yakuza kiwami 3 comes out on ps4 as well that's in 2019 we'll get around to playing it um i think that might have frozen there for a second a lot of people might might not get around to playing it um and what you'll have is uh this case where they're stuck in that cross-gen era where Maybe it'll be in a spot where PS5 is about to come out and people stop buying PS4 games and it just gets lost in the shuffle. And then you get Yakuza Kiwami 4 come out um, and then people wouldn't have played 3 because of the end of the PS4. And they can get just they, they can just kind of like stub their own toe if they just roll really fast on this. Unless they um, really do just keep it up or just like make their games the way that they can port it again to PS5 um, or put out a PS5 version um of the current game without much effort but again i don't see the architectures being that um you know translatable like it should be but it's not going to be 
it's not looking going to be. I suspect I don't have enough faith in in Sony to um to keep that torch alive. Uh, they they're gonna do their own fucking random bullshit again. Who knows? Anyway, but it's good news all around. Yakuza Kiwami Two. Let's hear. I can't wait to play it in next year. Um, it's coming out this year, by the way, August. Anyway. Next up, uh, Nintendo had another Switch event. That's a cool thing. Um, they It was a Nindies showcase, um, and they essentially just r- announced a shitload of indie games coming to the Switch, uh, most of which looks like this year. You got Mark of the Ninja Remastered, Fantasy Strike, uh, Just Shapes and Beats, Garage, Pool Panic, Bomb Chicken, Luminez Remastered. That's cool. Reigns, Kings and Queens, Lightfall, West of Loathing. Okay, that's that's a good one. Um, the Messenger, Bad North, Banner Saga 3, plus Banner Saga 1 and 2. Okay, wow. Okay. Banner Saga, that could be a cool thing. That is actually really awesome. Um, I own those games, but I haven't really played them deeply because they don't have much voice acting. And that long RPGs with a lot of text with no voice acting kind of don't work for me. But in a uh, portable space where sometimes you just can't have your headphones in or whatever, that could be pretty cool. And uh, it might be it might detract from the experience left to have no real VO. Um, the rest of these games, like okay, sure, all right, yeah, this it's cool, I guess, having more uh, indie games on Switch. Um, personally, I'm like it sounds bad, but I kind of just want more Metroidvanias. <laughs> <laughs> I specifically like I bring all those uh I just kind of want the Nintendo back catalog but not Nintendo Nintendo back catalog but like you know Capcom Nintendo back catalog Konami Nintendo back catalog etc like that's what I really want um but whatever for now like that no there's no reason to complain more Nintendo games more specifically more um indie games come to the Switch Filling out that catalog, uh, which is great. That's what happens when you have the number one selling console of all time, at least in its first year. 14 million already. Um, I'm growing. So, yeah, people are jumping on the Switch bandwagon, and that's a good thing for the Switch, anyway. And people own the Switch, uh, even though I still only have two games for mine. Next up. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remaster on the way, but won't have multiplayer, apparently. Um... For following Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare uh, remaster a couple of years ago, many fans thought that Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 remake would be right around the corner. This is just reading from the GameSpot thing. Essentially, what they've said is they're doing it. Um, it might be uh, 25-ish dollars as opposed to the 40, and it won't have multiplayer, uh, which I think is a play so they don't have it uh, eating into their Black Ops 4 multiplayer. Uh, the game will apparently launch on April 30. Okay, maybe that's, uh, that assumption on my part isn't true. I guess that means that all they, they really want is that um, they couldn't be fucked working on that multiplayer and paying for servers or whatever. I don't remember if I was P2P or server-based, but uh, if it's coming out April 30 and it doesn't have multiplayer and it's only going to be 25 bucks, that just feels like they just couldn't be fucked um, doing the multiplayer, which is odd to me because um, I bet most of the people who want to go back to Modern Warfare 2 
would do so for reliving that multiplayer experience. Like, who the fuck cares about the story of a Call of Duty games? Even though apparently the first couple weren't terrible. And the first one was revolutionary for its time. But now it's like whatever kind of wrote. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a strange piece of news there. Um, I bet it's going to sell. $25 for Call of Duty 2. That's going to sell. Like, sorry, Call of, Duty, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, that, that, that'll do fine. Um, it'll definitely recoup their fucking costs, but they should have done multiplayer. And I, I bet they would have gotten away with it being $30, like $5 more, or maybe um, $40 at the most. But still, they may have gotten away with it being $40 with multiplayer and the full Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 experience thing. Um, I bet people would, would jump on that. But they're not doing it, so whatever. Finally... I brought this up because I was wondering, I was curious what the RPG GameSpot determined uh, warranted this headline, but Switch gets the definitive version of a PlayStation RPG this June, and it turns out they're talking about Yeast 8. Um, that's cool. Hell yeah. Like, I don't remember if the Yeast games are uh, contiguous, uh, or they're like Final Fantasy where each one's individual. I really have always wanted to try out Yeast um or ys i don't know how else to say it um ys8 if if eight is uh something you could play in by itself without having played any of the other games and still get the full story um i'm really interested in that i'm up for that i'm up for that yeah oh shit i just realized detective pikachu is out <laughs> an entirely unrelated note oh man Detective Pikachu is out? I saw an ad for it on the Yeast page. Um, finishing out that story, um, it's coming out on June 26th for Yeast. I'm going to quickly Google Detective Pikachu. How is that reviewing? It's on 3DS, right? 3DS. Detective Pikachu. Oh, 73 at the moment. Okay. All right. Maybe it's not that great. CD Mag, the highest score was at 85. IGN says Detective Pikachu offers a bold take on this iconic Pokemon, which succeeds thanks to Pika prompts that build Pikachu beyond detective stereotypes. Even though I figured out cases far before their end, each one utilized the world of Pokemon to its fullest and ultimately offered a unique Pokemon experience that I hope we'll see done again soon, um, said IGN. That's. Is that all I want from Detective Pikachu? I kind of wanted good mysteries. GameStop says, um, Detective Pikachu is a simple game. There's not much variety to the way you solve cases. The story follows a standard detective formula, and as long as you are thorough, you won't have too much trouble connecting the dots. But it's full of heart, and silly characters and intentionally campy tone are what make it fun. So that's selling on me on it a bit more. How much is fucking Detective Cheap Pikachu? You know what? I'll look it up offline. I'm not going to waste you guys' time with me. Actually, I can't stop myself. How much is Detective Pikachu? <laughs> Sorry, I just need I just need to fucking know. I just need to know. Uh let's see. EA Games, EB Games Australia. Oh god. Australian dollars. $30 US release or something. $40. $39.99 for Detective Pikachu. I don't know if I if I if I want to spend um that much money on a like i 
unlike people, many people, I actually do care about Metacritic because I do think it's a decent example of how good a game is. 73% on Metacritic is pretty average. Um, I actually legitimately haven't enjoyed in my many years of gaming many games down in that kind of range. Like I've given a lot of games in that range a try. And it's just been something I've learned over time that, hey, critics kind of know what they're talking about. At least when it comes to bad games. No, not bad, but average or middling games. Like They know how to pick one of those um, straight away. Do I trust them when it comes to their 10 out of 10 games? Less and less, I think. Less and less with time. But Detective Pikachu, uh, they say it's average. I'm really, I can't, I don't know if I could deal with a, with a detective game where I could figure out the ending uh, well beforehand. Um, that's the best thing about Phoenix Wright is because the endings are so wacky that you won't guess it in almost any case. Or if you do guess it, just the, just getting there in the by the wackiest means possible um, is 90% of the fun. So uh, apparently they didn't even name that, sorry, nail that. And the, the game kind of plays out in a rote manner. And that, I don't know. I don't know if I could deal with a um, with a rote detective game. Even if it is Pikachu. And with that, that's our news this fortnight. Um, I That was about half an hour. I didn't actually expect to spend that much time um, on news. Last time we spent... Actually, I said I wouldn't talk about the previous episode. All right. With that, though, I've, I've pretty much just got um, games to talk about. So, and actually, you know what? I'm going to talk about trailers here. Because I don't really go too deep into old games, which, I, which is what I've been playing. Uh, I will go into it at the end of the show, um, especially since I've only been going for 33 minutes. But uh, over the last week, a bunch of big comic book trailer ga- uh, sorry, comic book trailers have come out. Um, I still haven't had a chance to watch Black Panther. Uh, that's somewhat of a lie. I've had the chance. I've just spent that time writing and uh, other things like exercising. <laughs> I don't mean to say that I'm making good choices in my life because I've gained weight over the last couple of months and I haven't written as much as I should have. So I don't know, but I, I'm still, that's still what I'm trying to put my time towards. Um, that said, though, uh, I've heard Black Panther is great, which is good to hear. I hope, I really hope it isn't just um, really preachy about the whole black people in film thing. Like, if, if that's why I got a lot of, uh, points and this is talking as an Indian man myself, right? I don't care about inclusivity. I just care about good movies. Like, give me a good movie. If it has a diverse cast, I guess that's better. But if the point of it is to have a diverse cast, that means you're not focusing what's actually meaningful when it comes to a movie, which is the story and the characters. And, and that's a, that's what actually matters. Give me a good film first put your weird political bullshit to the side if you have to include it do so like 12 years a slave is a fantastic fucking movie i actually really liked it for its actual story i teared up at the end when he when he got freed um that that, that, that movie was fantastic and the fact that it was a black message wasn't the point like the point was those characters that period of time that was captured so well it was weird to me that whatever like leonardo caprio what if uh, what was i forget who it was a brad pitt someone was like this weird jesus-like figure in the movie that was strange um but everything else like i guess it was just to portray that not all white people were bad which is fair um I know I'm going to talk you this story. Either way, I don't. I, it's not because of the my fear of the SJW message that I'm not watching um, Black Panther. I'm I haven't watched Black Panther because I'm too busy being shit at writing. Um, 
That said, though, there have been, again, a bunch of new trailers. Okay, stay on topic, Cynic, stay on topic. Um, three of them are, yeah, let's see. We've got Deadpool 2, we've got Infinity War, and what was the third? There was something else that was really big recently. Let's see, Infinity War, Deadpool 2, uh, Tomb Raider came out, Pacific Rim Uprising came out. Um, I haven't had a chance to to even look at the reviews for those, so no opinions on that yet. Um, oh, Solo, a Star Wars story. God, I don't care. No. Um, okay, just those two. I remember, I swear there was one more. I remember thinking of the fact that uh, Annihilation came out and turned out to be okay. Um, and then came out in Netflix outside of the US, so I can just watch it whenever I want now, which is pretty cool. I would thought I'd have to wait a long time to see Annihilation. Anyway, let's talk about the uh, Avengers trailer first. Um, that was curious, I would say. Um, as a cinematic event, right, uh, I think the trailer kind of sets itself up exactly how it needed to. Um, I was watching some stuff recently about the screenplays that get um, greenlit in Hollywood nowadays and how they're all, sorry, a large amount of them, especially the, the ones that sell a lot of tickets and put people in seats, tend to be based on th um, ancient themes. Um, so the hero's journey being one of them and probably the most popular or Oh, not even probably like uh, empirically measurable as the most popular nowadays is the standard mythos behind the hero and the hero's journey. And that happening in films by way of superhero films is just um, rampant nowadays. Uh, to be fair, like we're working off, there's it's, it's a couple things happening here independently. Like these superhero movies all feed each other because of crossovers. Um, that helps bolster the numbers. And also you have like the some of the characters like Black Panther being like age old characters in these universes that so many people know of. Um, so like the it's not just the fact that uh, it's a hero story. In fact, I, I've in my circles um in real life i have more people around me that i have grown tired of the marvel formula than people who are still interested in my marvel formula. that's probably why i haven't seen black panther is because i have no one really who live in my area that would want to go with me to see it um so i have to go myself which i'm willing to do i just haven't had a chance yet i'm um, sorry or i haven't been my time that way yet um so yeah it's it's a curious thing um and that when you look at the those stories all work in microcosm, so a single uh, Avengers movie, sorry, not Avengers, a single Captain America movie or a single um, Iron Man movie or a Spider-Man movie. They work in microcosm because of that hero's journey. That hero's journey stuff doesn't really work in a um, ensemble cast movie like in Avengers. And so uh, what you find is that a good one of those ensemble cast movies uh, are actually based on a different type of, um, not ancient myth, but story structure, which is like uh, the under underdog sports team or um, the heist. And I would say that the, so how, to explain those two genres, underdog sports, I, I really hope I'm not boring you guys with this like deep story analysis, whatever, just, I don't know, you find it interesting, 
happy if you don't. I'm sorry. It's a genre where, uh, as it sounds, you're talking about it's like Pitch Perfect or um, the the um, wow well, my 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 audition is actually kind of hiccuping now. Sorry. Um, those cheerleading movies where you have a hero who uh, is like either outcast or downtrodden and they get brought into a sports team and the sports team isn't doing that great. Um, usually actually doing quite poorly, maybe the last, the worst in the series or whatever. And this hero um, gets to know everyone in the sports team and turns out to be actually be fantastic at that sport, becomes captain of the sports team. The sports team goes on to win the series. This the You get to see all these players go from like zero to hero simultaneously and a, a team gets to like learn to work together in really cool and, and exciting ways that probably like break the mold of whatever sports they're engaging in. So Ender's Game is another example of that where he uses tactics that no one else has done before. Um, and you get the team together and everyone rises up and they win at the end of the series. Um, that is a classic formula that is fantastic and gets you just really behind all the characters in the team, etc. And that's kind of what Avengers 1 was, was um, a mixture, like some some degree that, in fact, but it was because it has that team element and getting together and, and um, winning at the end. But what it was closer to was the other, which is the heist theme. And to think about this, all we need to say to you is Ocean's Eleven. You have a single badass dude, in this case, Tony Stark, um, or Nick Fury, depending on how you look at it, um, goes around and recruits the best of everything, best thief, best uh, I know, hacker, uh, etc. In this case, like the Hulk, uh, Cap, whatever. Um, Cap is kind of a weird thing where he was recruited by Fury. But I'm not going to go deep into that shit. But either way, you have the team being formed of the best of everything. And that team of badasses goes on to pull a heist on a bad dude. And that bad dude, you like to see lose his shit and get his comeuppance and the cool guys you, you get to see being cool and doing cool shit um and half the mystery is how are they actually going to pull this off or if they do have a plan are they actually going to pull off the plan and the best parts come together when the pan actually falls apart like how the um the sky fortress or whatever it was called i forget what the name is that the the heli carrier um for the avengers starts falling apart in the first um movie and Iron Man has to get in there and like fucking um, hold together like the the rotors or whatever it was. I try to try to remember what happened in that movie, but um, you have all this stuff fall apart just at the very end, and then they bring it back together um, at the last moment. And that's kind of the that heist movie genre formula. So you combine those two, you have underdog sports plus heist movie, and you get Ocean's Eleven, and you get um, the Avengers, and that was freaking amazing. However, the Avengers two. Uh, that didn't quite have the same thing where the bad guy was actually the underdog and the good guys were actually kind of um, ambiguous in their, in how, uh, in the right they were and in introducing that element of uncertainty and um, team infighting and a bunch of other stuff, what you have is a less clear image of the finale um because uh, you know I, i'm gonna cut off there but i think that that's pretty much why you had this case where the bad guy didn't really feel that bad in fact he felt he sorry in fact he felt rather hollow because they tried to make him complex but didn't quite nail it because didn't, he didn't have enough screen time to build complexity 
and the good guys didn't really come together that well because they were having infighting and stuff. So you didn't really have that great team dynamic. And then the end was just a big CG fest with uh, people you didn't really care about because there's these randoms in this country no one really... It's made up country. And I know there are civilians, but everyone's seen civilians in danger before. There has to be something more than that. And also, it's it's a million people in danger is not as powerful as one little girl in danger, right? It's just the basics of human nature when you can get one character that you care about who's in danger. Um, so, I know, Rukia in Bleach or um, Lois Lane in, in Pick Your St- Superman movie. Um, you... you get far more in invested and they just they decide to focus on the whole city just to make the scales big the scale big and whatever like no one cared that all said this movie <laughs> getting back to the civil war sorry uh to um whatever the the infinity war civil war was actually really good because it focused on tony stark and cap's relationship and that's why it was made good and the relationships between everyone um, and it only focused really on the heroes. And so it was their infighting, their their personal drama that made that movie fantastic. And the fight scenes were great because they were happening on multiple levels at the same time. It wasn't just the cool stuff of Cap fighting um, Iron Man, which, by the way, was kind of neutered because Tony Stark could have killed Cap at any time. It's like the perfect thing of Superman versus Batman. Like Half of the, the fight is that Tony Stark doesn't actually want to kill um rogers and same with superman doesn't actually want to kill batman so it's like one of those weird like false equivalencies but either way like that was an amazing fighting because they were fighting but also most of the fight was happening emotionally and you got that in that movie and that's what that made civil war actually quite good even though it didn't live up to civil war in the comics because that's just a very different type of story but far more wide-reaching far more like political questions this was more of like a character piece between these two friends but it worked really great. Um, this, however, um, doesn't seem like that. It seems like, again, kind of like, I suspect it's kind of like uh, number two, so Avengers 2, where it's going to be a big spectacle, which combines a lot of people you may or may not care about. Um, but in against a villain that we have had just set up in flashes in the past, but no real no real animosity towards him he's just a dickhead from afar who wants to kill our shit so of course we're going to defend ourselves like it doesn't there's nothing there like the joker right where there's this mythos around the character in batman's case it's kind of cheating because the mythos of the joker was established in the comic books before the movie even came out or the previous movies or whatever right um try to think of or kaiser soze right uh in usual suspects where you have the this the movie does a good job of building the mythos of the villain before it ends so by the end of the movie people still remember kaiser sose's fucking name and almost everything you hear about fucking kaiser sose is other people talking about how badass kaiser sose was same with john wick half of john wick you know sorry almost everything you know about john wick is told by other characters about john wick to build his fucking mythos and of course you see him being just as badass as all that everyone says he is and that's half the awesomeness of that with those movies but um yeah like it's really cool um when you actually have a villain that is scary or at least um, mythical in size and stature 
from a storytelling standpoint. In the case of uh, Infinity War, I don't feel that about Thanos. I know Thanos in the books, right? Um, but as an audience member who's only really seen the movies and I haven't, I, I didn't actually go into the Infinity Gauntlet stuff in the novels, so the um, the comics, because I was tired from my massive reading, reading, sorry, of Civil War and how expansive that is, trying to get everything in one spot. It took me like a month to do. And I was tired from that and never really, I, I put uh, Infinity Gauntlet on the shelf and never really went back to it um, because I just, characters are changed by that point and all that kind of stuff. Um, so she's in all of these multi, uh, these intergalactic threats um, tend to kill off many if not all the cast which means they have to do weird stupid story loops to bring them back to life like pocket universes or whatever and that just fucking pisses me off um so never go back to it but um in this case thanos in the novels for example kills off pretty much the entirety of the avengers um they're not going to do that in this movie they so you have this weird thing where i'm i'm almost certain there'll be very low stakes in this movie uh if any characters die, there'll probably be some side characters. If they're smart, they'll kill off all the characters who are kind of getting long in the tooth, but we care about. So, like, if they killed off Tony Stark, right, um, that would be the smart thing to do. Because I fucking love Tony Stark. Iron Man's my favorite superhero. Um, but he is getting to the point where his story, his character arc is to the point where he's tired of being a superhero. Or, more importantly, he's... He's finding that superheroes aren't the only solution and that, wait a second, maybe the government has a place. Sorry, my, my Skype broke up there. Maybe the government does have its place. Maybe um, the elected parliament isn't full of evil people and people in that are just trying to do their jobs and most of them mean well. Um, you have some dickheads at the top, but most of the people in the military, etc., are actually good people who go in for good reasons and try to do the best, right? And that's what to end. That's part. That's all wrapped up in Tony's message of maybe you should put faith in the government. Um, crazy, because which is crazy because he's an industrialist. Um, he's a, a mogul. It's really funny seeing the equivalencies there to Donald Trump, right? Uh, where I feel like he's a clown, but. I, it's starting to seem like he actually, like he lost $600 million last year, right? I, it's it's starting to feel like he actually kind of, he wants to do well. Like he won't, right? He's, I, I suspect many of his successes going forward will be because of the people he hires and um, the previous good work of the administration's various behind him and the world at large not going through another financial crisis. Um, but even then, like I... <laughs> I don't like Donald Trump, but I swear he gets falsely portrayed in a lot of ways. Like he's not, I don't know if he's just a dick. I think he's more complex than that. Like everyone is right. Um, and so it's, it's funny seeing that uh, Tony, so Tony is, is in the comics famous for going, becoming the secretary of defense, etc. Um, and so he is waning on the superhero side of things. So if he does die, that would be fitting somewhat for his character, especially if he does it in a nationalistic kind of way. And also, it would be um, poignant for the audience because we fucking love Tony Stark, or at least I do. Um, same with Cap, right? They could kill off Cap. It is, it's pretty much his time. 
um, just in the same way as Tony did. After Civil War, those two, those two passing might be a way to bring people back together. Um, if you, you can pretty much get, like Vision almost has to die because he's got an Infinity fucking Stone in his fucking forehead. Um, so like, if you bring it all together, like they could do a really cool movie where, say, they spend the first twenty or so minutes with Gamora. Um, sorry bringing the team together for this fight, but also spending a lot of time with Gamora setting out the mythos of, of um, Thanos. Um, because, and remember, this is something that did poorly with Guardians of the Galaxy 1, where the bad guy, which is fair because it was a comedy more than anything else, but the bad guy was kind of a joke, um, where they set up with this crazy mythos behind these stones and him like destroying whole worlds, or sorry, people destroying whole worlds with like a wave of their stuff, etc., but again, that isn't as um, poignant as a single girl, little girl dying, right? Like that isn't as um, badass as Kaiser Sose's family dying and then him going on a fucking rampage or whatever it was. I f- either that or he killed his own family. I forget one of the two. Like just like some personal level drama that drove this person to be just a fucking, um, well, in this case, an intergalactic threat and want to destroy everything like i would like it if they went into lady death um they probably almost certainly will not but if they actually go for the fact that well no thanos is doing this because he's in love with the avatar of death um he actually has an emotional reason for going around killing everybody um they do, if they do that and actually build the villain for the first 20 minutes of the, game, of the movie and they do actually kill off people like tony stark and, and cap that could be fucking amazing um, are they going to do that? Looking at this trailer, maybe, but probably not. Uh, it feels like, like, to be fair, this is going to be a two-parter, right? So maybe they can kill them off and maybe resurrect them, or um, which is classic Marvel. Or you can have them lose in this movie and then come back for the next one, but lose in a way that isn't a total loss. I'm not talking about fucking Star Wars Episode Eight here. I'm talking about um, they lose the battle but are still winning the war kind of thing uh if they they get that out of it that could be really cool or they win the battle but with tremendous sacrifice um if they if they do that at the end of this movie that could be a really good step forward but with just the amount of characters they're throwing into it i just don't have enough faith in that level of screen time two and a half hours which is a long time but still not long enough for that big a cost enough faith not enough in that screen time to actually get to the point where I think that this will be an effective, really poignant story. I think it's just going to be a really good action movie. And maybe that's all it needs to be. And that's what that trailer sold. Um, so that's why I have mixed feelings about the trailer. I think the trailer looked pretty great. I love Doctor Strange. He's probably my second favorite hero now. Um, I haven't watched Black Panther yet, so maybe he, he would come up there as well. I really liked him in um, Civil War, what it was. Uh, but the... Yeah, like, I, I, I've really... I. This is a movie full of characters I care about doing things I don't care about. Potentially. And we'll see. Uh, with that, speaking of something similar, actually, I got the same feeling from this. Uh, I'm not going to go in, into any way level of depth of, of analysis because whatever. These are comedies. The comedies are way harder to break apart and how they work, etc. But you have Death, Deadpool and the um, trailer for Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2 looks like it is doing more Deadpool. Um, and that's kind of fine by me, you know? Uh 
I like... Oh, actually, I remember what the third trailer was. It's uh, Harry Potter, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, so Deadpool is kind of doing more Deadpool with the return of the taxi driver and a couple of other things. I am up for that. I'm With, with comedies, uh, I actually don't want to see the trailer, and I actually was kind of resistant to watching the trailer myself. I just kind of wanted to see how uh, Cable worked out, and Cable looks pretty awesome. So uh, I, I don't know about his haircut, but whatever. I think he... I think he'll be fine. Um, so, yeah, I I have enough faith in this series, whatever, in, in the from the first one to give the second one a solid try. Uh, I was kind of worried because it was a little bit too action-y in that trailer and not enough joke. I don't really want... I, I kind of want a comedy, not an action movie. Like, that's kind of why Thor Ragnarok, which I watched, watched recently, worked so fucking well. Because that was a comedy, not really a standard superhero movie hopefully this is very similar like the first deadpool where it's a comedy not really a standard hero's journey superhero movie but specifically it's a hero's journey but with a focus on the comedic elements so still get the emotional payoff from a person becoming a hero or in this case more of a hero and starting the x-force or whatever it's called um but you also get that humor and and um connection to the characters that a comedy brings uh hopefully that that's what this movie does We'll see, though. Who knows? Finally, uh, we have the Harry Potter teaser trailer uh, for episode two of Fantastic Fe- uh, Fantastic Creatures and Where to Find Them, um, featuring Jude Law as Dumbledore. That was curious. Um, and seeing, I think, our first image uh, of Don- Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. Uh, I think it was Grindelwald. Um, maybe a second. I'm not sure. But the, yeah, no, that that I was the reason I remember this is because of the statement. It seems to be doing what the more of what the first one did, and hopefully that works okay. Because they bring back, thankfully, in my opinion, the love interest and the sidekick from the first one, and those were my favorite characters. I actually like them. Well, the first one I actually really like. I forget his name, but I really like the main character of the Fantastic Beasts uh, movies, and he's quirky and um vulnerable in a way that i really really love like jk rowling is well i don't know how much of the screenplay was her um just purely her genius but if she was the strong driving force behind how that character was portrayed yeah she's just another example of how amazing she is with getting people that you just love um i love this idea who has who has heartbroken in the past and goes back and um and develop this connection with non-human creatures and but learns to love them and take care of them and deeply is um, invested in them and actually kind of loses some of his ability to work with humans and connect with humans. And then you have that, that balance with him needing to work with humans to, to get his creatures back and then learning to work with people again and um, to care about people and to show affection and maybe open up his heart to that girl um, and all kinds of like it's all one and like she's great she's my one of my favorite leading or um, I guess you call it leader ladies but side ladies or whatever like side characters from that year of film um, I forget all of the names but like I love the detective lady I love um, the the main character I love the sidekick because he's not just a bumbling buffoon he's got a lot of heart. Um, and yeah like just overall like i this seems to be doing more of the same and in this case i'm worried because it's just more of the same 
um, I didn't see anything in, in this that made me. Um, I didn't see the hook of this movie like I did with the last one. It's like, oh shit, his box opened up and a bunch of creatures are out in New York or whatever it was. Um, you need to get those creatures back or they're going to kill people. Um, that was the hook of the first one, right? This one, it was just looked like, oh, uh, you are the one that can stop Grindelwald. You are the chosen one. You must do this Y X Y Z. I am Dumbledore or I am Dumbledore or whatever Jude Law sounds like. Um, that's not anywhere near as compelling to me. Um, I don't need, again, we're just talking about it. I don't need more bare bones, basic hero journey books, right? I need something more interesting. I need a bit of more diverse hook. Um, and this didn't really give that to me, but it's just a teaser trailer. So we find out more going forward. And I like Jude Law as Dumbledore. I like the idea that Dumbledore was a fucking suave ass motherfucker when he was young. And then he went, fuck it. As he got older, just grabbed a massive beard. <laughs> just let go. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, that's that's cool. I'm I'm up for Fantastic Beasts, just like Deadpool. Like I wasn't that interested in the trailer, but the first one was so good that I'll give it a shot no matter what. Um, and with that, that's our movie corner for the fortnight. Uh, wow, it's already hitting an hour. I don't have too much time left here. Let's move on to what I've been playing. Uh, you guys know I've been playing Monster Hunter, and um, now that I've thought about it a little bit longer, I don't really feel like I should go, there's not value in me going to a lot of depth uh, for Monster Hunter. So since I've mentioned it so many times now that you kind of, just by the fact I keep bringing it up, it kinda, that tells you by itself how much I care about this game or like this game. Um, what I will say though is I um, don't know how many how much more of Monster Hunter I will play. Because things like the Devil Joe, um, which I thought was Devil Ho, but it's Devil Joe, um, apparently. The Devil Joe DLC showed me that, okay, the quote-unquote end game for this is still the kind of Grand Fest it always was. Um, just grinding gems, making more builds, etc. But there's no real like massive difficulty scaling in the monsters you're fighting. Um, like I don't just want the case where Tempered Dragons um are the hardest things in the game like whatever they're they're not that actually that hard um once you get your your armor up past 300 it's like okay whatever um i can just block your shit um or heal through it or whatever especially if you get speed eating um but like the the cool part of that game is old monsters or getting more powerful so i wish they actually made tempered three versions of old monsters like that would be cool for me um or 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 the the excitement of a new fight which is what this is um you've got devil joe coming and devil joe i don't know he actually seems like not that interesting of a fight um but i haven't fought him myself yet i haven't jumped back in it only came out like yesterday or today um i haven't jumped back in uh but maybe after like a couple of these come together or maybe we have a thing where like oh when a new dlc comes out um, we might be doing this be doing this this week but tomorrow i might be jumping in with durin and Melo Joe um to uh fight devil joe and then and play around a little bit and then jump off again but we might just come back every now and then when a new fights in the game um that seems like the end game of that and that seems fine like each new fight adds a new um armor and weapons and they are apparently quite good for devil joe um the weapons i think especially i don't remember but i'm pretty sure people say have been saying the weapons are quite good from him um i think Melo told me that but either way like that game has legs in uh, a really exciting fashion 
for the future of Monster Hunter as a series. Um, I really hope for Monster Hunter going forward that we get more of it. Um, I wouldn't... This game seems like piecemeal in a way that they could potentially put out like a Monster Hunter World 2. Even if it was just like a, largely the same maps, but with a couple more areas, maybe one or two more areas, and with a whole new set of monsters, that could be all it needs, right? Like maybe just this 200 years in the future or whatever. After Zero Magdaros, um, Zora Magdaros died and changed the um, ecology of the area, etc., uh, and brought in new monsters, that could be awesome. Like I, I, I actually, I personally prefer large chunks of new content than small little drip feeds of new content. So I don't know. O- overall, though, that game, I'm a Gunlands guy, uh, but every weapon I've used, except for maybe Sword and Shield. Didn't really enjoy that. Uh, every weapon I've used has like its cool little niche. Everything seems viable in the end game. Um, it's just, yeah, that game is just, just wonderful. Uh, aside from that, though, I've talked about that in the past. Shadows of the Colossus. This, this is something I haven't talked about much on the podcast before. Shadow of the Colossus is what I've been playing uh, after finishing my time with... Um, Monster Hunter. I think I had like 90 hours of Monster Hunter. And wow, that game looks good. I talk about shadows here. Fuck, man. Uh, but apart from how good that game looks, and I've talked about that before, I think for me, that game just isn't... <laughs> that, that game just somehow didn't grab me. Um, I, I'm sorry to say, I, I hope for people out there who were wondering what Sitting's take on Shadows is, I think that game's gorgeous. I think that game has a lot going for it aesthetically, not just in terms of visuals, but like everything. Um, the voice acting, the uh, music or lack thereof, um, the the art style behind it is just wonderful. Um, there's sweeping vistas, the emptiness, the design of each Colossus. Um, but for me, it's just a case of I need more narrative reason to go forward to that game. Uh, it's, this is a classic thing. It's the reason I didn't like Mario. It's the reason I don't like a lot of recent games, like almost any roguelike I have no interest in. Because um, there's kind of two things that get me through a game, right? Monster Hunter is an example of the other. Um, it's either narrative, so like The Last of Us or Witcher or whatever, or it's just a really good loot-based gameplay like loop or uh, exploration-based gameplay loop where you have a Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is now easily one of my favorite games of all time, um, even though I only played it for the first time really recently. Uh, getting through that game, that world, it's really hitching up here, sorry. Discovering that world... Um, Getting all the new items, weapons. Uh, I just really love games with a lot of weapon diversity, like Dark Souls. Um, the depth of builds you can do, like a Monster Hunter. Um, that's that stuff is that, that 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 can get me through the game. Like the pure gameplay combined with a really good combat system. That's that's one way to get me through a game. So your Dark Souls, etc. Um, is the the quintessential example of that is is uh, Dark Souls one and three. Uh, but you have. The other being story, and and this game kind of really doesn't have either. It's more of a puzzle game than anything else, and how you solve the the fights with the colossus. 
which is a weird, interesting other thing. And not what I was quite expecting. Um, now looking back at it, I should have seen that coming. Um, but it, it did. Wow. Okay, this is really starting to break up now. I'm sorry. Um, it is actually really not... There's something about the puzzles in this game that don't grab me. <laughs> like the Colossi are amazing and large and cool to jump around, but it's mostly about managing that grip meter. And that's pretty much it. Uh, at least as far as I've seen. Like there's stupid little things like shooting that dude's paws or whatever, but that, that's almost inconsequential. I def I know that it gets really interesting late game where you have to figure out how to get into something that's flying and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but to get there in the first place, I need that, that drive to get there and the lack of narrative plus like big downtimes between Colossi, um, and large, like, um, there's no like impending sense of danger to get me through it. Like a, like a dark souls. Uh, there's no story to get me through it as I've already said. And there's no, uh, progression mechanic aside from stamina to get me through it. So like overall, the only thing to get me through it is just curiosity as to the next Colossus. And that so far hasn't paid off enough for me to feel it and therefore keep pushing, um, which is sad to say, because I really like that game and I don't regret buying it at all because I do think that it has elements of a classic to it that I can really appreciate. Um, unlike Mario, I don't get angry whenever I think about Shadows and the fact that I haven't finished it um, and waste and spent money on it. In the case of Shadows, I feel like it's just one of those wonderful pieces of uh, I know, strong to say art, but I guess it is art, but one of the pieces of media that I um, can appreciate and respect, but isn't for me. Um, that's my kind of overall thoughts of Shadows so far. Maybe I'll go back to it, uh, but at the moment, now that Yakuza Kiwami 2 has been announced, I'm actually leaning far to, more towards playing some fucking Yakuza Kiwami 1. Um, that seems like where my leanings are right this second when I spend time not writing, um, which I don't know, man, like looking at my schedule, I've actually had to make a weekly schedule for my life. Not that I, I shouldn't go into this too much, but essentially I only have like two hours a day to play with in free times, two to three hours. So I have not either sleeping or exercising um, and at work, obviously and writers groups and a bunch of other things and it's just yeah like gaming time is at a premium now unless something like really captivating comes along like in monster hunter which makes me just like put everything else down you know what fuck i'm just gonna finish this game that hasn't happened yet with anything else i've played this year but i haven't booted yakuza yet so maybe that'll be it we'll find out um but with that though uh, again i'm not gonna say i hate um shadows it's just it isn't grabbing me and i respect it um coming up i um, and interested to see Nino Kuni, I saw the voice acting for that game and immediately made me not want to buy it. Like to the point where I was um, I was hovering over the purchase button on PSN. Then I looked up videos of Nino Kuni and I hard quit my PS4 um, like PlayStation Store menu. Like no fucking way. Like I can't deal with bad VO. I need to check how it plays in Japanese. Um, that might be the thing I'm playing this week, depending on whether I boot Yakuza or not. Because if it plays well in Japanese, um, unlike in English, then I and I don't have to hear like the really heartfelt like child voice acting equivalent. I know it's actually a kid doing the voice acting, but the, the fucking the line reads sound like a kid because they're supposed to and it's insufferable um 
believe in it or whatever. Believe as long as we believe in our hearts, like fucking whatever. No thank. Like you think of someone who loves Persona Four and the saccharine sweet stuff of that. At least there, like they ne- they never actually came out and said the power of friendship, right? They never actually said it. That was the core message of the whole game, but they didn't really say that out loud. It was more like investigation team, like cool little like cute things like that. Um, uh, but this is just really on the nose delivery and lines. Fuck, and in English, that is, I just can't, I just can't deal with it. But uh, if I'm gonna, I, I promise to have a look at how it plays in Japanese later today. And if it seems like it plays okay in Japanese, I'll probably pick up Nino Kuni too. You hear me talk about that next week because I'm committing to one of these um, once a week. They're shorter, so that's kind of evening out until the next Scotchcast, at least. Uh, I need to get people together. We're still struggling with it. No excuses. People just being dickheads. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. People people are busy. Um, but yeah, no, no excuses. I'll, I'll, you'll have a cynical supplement every week until the next Scotchcast. Um, so hopefully by the next time I've played some Nino Kini too, or at least some Yakuza. And I'll talk about that more next time. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Cynical Supplement. Sorry for the audio issues. I don't have the time because I'm about to jet off um, to edit those out. Uh, I tried to make it clear when they happened during the show. Um, But I will see you next time. (laughs) 